if you ever need anybody, like, you know, let me know. I'd love to come back and help. And, you know, a year later, (laughs) they were like, we need somebody. So, you know, I think it just was a lot of like right place, right time, but also making sure that I left like a good lasting impression. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports RD Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board-certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm so excited to have Angela Brezina today on the podcast. Angela has an incredible story on how she became a sports dietitian, and she shares great perspective and advice on the profession. Angela Brezina is currently the performance dietitian for the Major League Soccer Team Minnesota United FC. Prior to this role, she was a consultant dietitian for FC Cincinnati and a sports dietitian at the University of Cincinnati. As a retired opera singer, Angela finds many similarities between her previous career on stage and fueling athletes on the field. She feels she has found her home in helping athletes optimize their nutrition. Let's jump in and let's meet Angela. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Liz, how are you? I'm good. I mean, MLS is back. (laughs) Yes, yes. During this very trying time, we are moving forward, playing games. Things are going on as usual. It's crazy because I didn't realize. I thought it was like, you know, a month ago you guys started, but you've been in Orlando in the bubble. Was that over two months ago? Yes. So we, we ended up advancing in the tournament. So it was like World Cup style tournament. So you played three games and then they started doing a knockout round. So we kept advancing. We went all the way to the semifinals. So I, all in all, I was there like 42 days. <laughs> so it was a wow. very it's so crazy too, because I feel like you have to be one of the most active dietitians, like in a pandemic. So that's pretty cool. I guess you'll never forget that experience. Yeah, no, I mean, it was very interesting. I feel like I had to relearn my entire job because everything was so different and we basically had to pack our entire like life to move down there for like a month so um and we weren't allowed to leave the premises so I had to get like really creative with how we could get snacks and groceries and other things that we needed for the guys because we couldn't leave the like actual complex which was very interesting kept you on your toes Mm -hmm. experience I'll never forget (laughs) that's so cool though yeah so I like to start these episodes off with how we know each other so um I was at UConn I'm still at UConn and (laughs) Angela's at was at Cincinnati and we were both in the American conference and I think at the time in 2017 there was only like three full-time sports dietitians yes I was like looking at that the other day because I'm like I know Liz and I talked, I'm like, but I think at that time, there was maybe only one or two others. Yeah, and now there's, I just looked yesterday, there's eight dietitians. Um, I honestly don't even understand how that works, but it's really cool. Um, (laughs) The funny thing is, UConn is not in the Big East anymore. I'm sorry, we are in the Big East. We left the American, and Angela isn't at Cincinnati anymore, so yeah, with that. But um, anyways, 
I remember I reached out to you when I first started at UConn because I was putting together a proposal of how to add Whole Foods into our fuel station. And what better way than to reach out to the people in your conference and see what they're doing and get some ideas. And I DM'd you and that's kind of how we met there and you really helped me out. And basically when I got to UConn, we only had bars and shakes. So I really wanted to add some Whole Foods. So basically put together a presentation and lots of info there. But I think sometimes like I was at UNC and UCLA and those are established programs and coming to UConn as the first full time you don't realize that like Greek yogurt just doesn't like show up in the fuel station like on your first day, which yeah. is actually pretty cool. That's probably a fun part of my job is seeing things kind of come to life. But anyways, yeah. through the presentation, I did get beef jerky, Greek yogurt and string cheese in our fuel station, which I kind of forgot about that because now it feels normal. But like my first few years at UConn, I felt like that was one of the biggest accomplishments because it's such a small thing that worked within our budget, but it makes such a big difference because it impacts you know, so many athletes. So Angela, help me there with some inspiration <laughs> from the Bearcat fuel. I know. I feel like I resonate with that so much because very similarly, like came into the program and it was literally just bars and shakes. And I don't know, I think even at that time, like you and I were talking about like, how do we start an intern program? And like, we didn't have interns. Oh, I thought about that. <laughs> yes. I and asked like, you for like a sheet of something. I don't know. Yeah, well, because we had just started the intern program, I think when we connected and our like weight room was totally under construction. So it was like a total mess. But I was like, we have to have interns at the fuel station because we started doing, you know, more food-based things. So I wanted to like monitor what we were doing. And yeah, I think we were like talking about, I had an intern like handbook. Yeah, you did so how we, Yeah, and how we did like the schedule and just, it seems like forever ago. <laughs> yeah, no, you forget, like I forget that like, obviously when I started, I had no interns, but now it just feels like second nature. It was like mm -hmm. year one, I had one, year two, I had like three to four, and now it's like five to eight. So it's, yeah. it's pretty cool, like how it evolves. I know, and we, you know, I just, it's just crazy to think that that is like the coolest thing about working like in a conference where maybe not every school has an RD or you're the only or the first. It is like, like yeah. I get to do, I get to like birth something amazing here. Like, you know, you get to kind of like make it your own and kind of like be really creative, which is, I mean, I feel like that was the cornerstone of my, you know, starting my career. Cause I was like, I was forced to be creative with the resources I had, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I would say that's definitely the best part too about, you know, creating and building a program. Mm -hmm. for sure. mm -hmm. All right. So let's, let's jump in. Can you okay. take us through your career path up until this point where you started and where you are now? Yeah. So right now I'm at, I'm the team dietitian for Minnesota United, which is a major league soccer team in Minneapolis. And I'll start at the beginning and then work my way up to there. Um, so I, this is a second career, second career for me, which I think a lot of people find like really shocking because they think that, you know, you have to follow a certain path to kind of get to becoming a sports dietitian or a professional sports dietitian. But I had no sport background <laughs> whatsoever um, in high school and pretty much my entire life I was a musician and I played piano and was also like an on-stage performer 
from like the time I was a small child um, through college. Um, I worked professionally and did a lot of really amazing things um, that I don't regret at all. But I, uh, when I decided after I finished my undergrad, I was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to go get my master's in music. Like, you know, cause that's what we did. You got your undergraduate in, in vocal performance, and then you went to go get your master's in performance or pedagogy. And like, I went through the whole grad school application process, interviews, auditions, and then like two weeks, I actually accepted a spot at a conservatory in Boston, New England Conservatory. And like two weeks before I was supposed to move there, I remember calling my parents and being like, I don't want to go. I don't think this is right. I don't think this is the right career for me. Like, I love it. However, I don't see myself. The lifestyle is just really, um, really difficult. And it's funny because I find like there's so much crossover between that field or that profession and my professional athletes. So it's funny that I kind of landed there. Um, but you know, you, you are expected to travel a lot and you can relocate many, many times in your life. And, um, you know, the, you have odd schedules and a very physically demanding job. Um, and I just, I decided it wasn't for me. (laughs) So ironically, I ended up in a job very similar, (laughs) but, um, so I decided to move home to Cincinnati and, I had no idea what I wanted to do. (laughs) Um, And I really took, um, I started taking just some general science classes at UC because I I knew I wanted to do something in the science field and had always really been interested in that and started taking science classes. And I took an intro to nutrition class and it really just like stuck with me. And I also was in a class that was like exploring nutrition and dietetics and a sports dietitian, someone who was working with the Reds, the Cincinnati Reds at the time, came in and talked and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This woman does amazing things. And it sounds so similar to my life, like just the identifying with a team and just the schedule and the physical demands and making sacrifices for the sport. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to explore it. So anyway, I started taking more nutrition classes. Fast forward, I was working um, at the campus rec center with the dietitians at um, the rec. And they had been working with um, some of the collegiate athletes just individually. Um, And I started to kind of get intertwined with the department there. And the following year, this was 2015, moving right along, 2015, they decided, the athletic department decided to create a sports nutrition grad assistant, the very first one ever um, that they had ever had. And they were like, are you interested? And I was like, of course. (laughs) You know, so, um, and that was honestly where I got my kind of start in working with college athletes. And like I said, they hadn't had anybody designated to them previously. They had dietitians that were doing individual counseling, but they didn't have anybody that was doing team talks or fuel station or snack bags, all the other fun education-y things. Um, So I just dove right in and worked my butt off a lot. (laughs) You know, really was like, trying to be creative about the things that we could do with these athletes with minimal resources. Um, And that's where I really started getting integrated into the program. And 
at the end of my master's program, I created a, my thesis project was a program called Bearcats in the Kitchen. And that was really like our claim to fame, I think. Um, I created like an eight week cooking education curriculum for collegiate athletes. So it was like eight consecutive weeks of every week was a different topic, but we would spend maybe 15 minutes doing a little team talk activity at the beginning. And then we would cook and we used the food lab from the nutrition department and it just took off like a rocket. We started with like one team and then after word got out, teams were like lining up, like, when can we do Bearcats in the kitchen? When, when can, when, when can we get our team in to cook? Um, and very, very thankfully, um, after that, the athletic department decided then to create a position for me that incorporated me teaching this class and running the sports nutrition program. Woof. Um, so that's where I started kind of my professional career and started building the program. And I was there for two years, in addition to my two GA years, um, building the program. We had had, they still have a graduate assistant there now, but I had had two other grad assistants work with me. They, you know, built an intern program that had like 15 to 20 interns. I took on dietetic interns. I mean, it, the program just really, really grew. Um, and I was very fortunate to be there. And then I had done some bod bod testing with the major league soccer team in Cincinnati previously. And one day they just gave me a call and were like, Hey, we're looking for somebody. <laughs> Are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'm interested. So then I went to go work for FC Cincinnati, um, which is the major league soccer team. And I was with them all last year and it was just a consulting job. Um, so I was really just there touch and go. So I was very fortunate. I could keep my full-time job at Cincinnati and work with FC Cincinnati. Um, and then I decided to take the leap to just work with FC Cincinnati and um, really, really enjoyed it and thought like, okay, major league soccer is pretty amazing. It's checking all my boxes of things I I want in a job and a setting and the athletes that I work with. So I decided, hey, I'm going to keep on this train. <laughs> and, but I really was like wanting a full-time job. Um, and then at the end of the year, I just by twist of fate was looking on Teamworks online to see if there were any job openings and the job at Minnesota United popped up. And I remember like texting my boyfriend right away, like, how do you feel about moving to Minnesota? <laughs> it's so cold there. It snows a lot. Um, but I texted him right away and I was like, how do you feel about moving to Minnesota? And he was like, hey, just apply for the job, see what happens. I applied for the job, did a phone interview. Then they flew me up to Minnesota for an in-person interview. And the rest is history. Then I relocated myself and my cat <laughs> to Minnesota. So here we are. <laughs> I mean, could you have ever have even guessed or thought that how your career even unfolded? I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't want to discount, like, I mean, the countless hours and time and thought I've put into every single thing that I do, but I have, there have been, you know, right place at the right time. And I just really believe in that, you know, to some extent where it's like, I've just been in the right place at the right time and been talking to the right people. But at the same time, 
the job like at Cincinnati that they created a full-time position, you know, I said, hey, maybe you could create a full-time position, you know, so like you're never going to get anything that you don't kind of ask for. And I even think like with FC Cincinnati, when I worked with them and after I did body composition testing with them, I like said to their um, performance director, like, hey, if you ever need anybody, like, you know, let me know. I'd love to come back and help. And, you know, a year later, (laughs) they were like, we need somebody. So, you know, I think it just was a lot of like right place, right time, but also making sure that I left like a good lasting impression. But um, I think I was like, when I first got in the field, I was like super embarrassed that I didn't have any sport background that, you know, I, I felt like, oh, how can I be a sports dietitian if I've never played a sport or if I've never you know, played if, you know, at the college level or really at like a higher level. And I always thought like, uh, how, how, how are people going to take me seriously? How, how am I going to be able to like justify that I'm capable of working with this population? And, um, you know, I found that there was just so much crossover between what I used to do in terms of like the discipline and like finding your group of people and like, you know, how, you take care of your body impacts how you perform. And, um, I think just a lot of that resonated. And so I just somehow, you know, uh, vibed well with all the athletes that I worked with and, you know, it's very similar. That's so cool. It's interesting too. I've kind of forgot about it, but obviously I would mean, I wasn't a collegiate athlete either. And I remember even when I found out about sports nutrition, I was like, I didn't, you know, I've never done this before. Am I going to get it? And I was actually kind of afraid that I wasn't going to fit in because I was an athlete and that was going to feel weird. But something that I feel like I learned pretty quickly is once you're an athlete, you're always an athlete. Like every time I make a decision, every time I do something, I do it the same way that I play basketball, which is so funny. I've never said that out loud before, but um, you just, you realize a lot of similarities and, you know, with our field too, you know, when you show athletes, you care. I mean, that's where the buy-in comes from. And I mean, I wasn't a collegiate athlete, but you either understand someone wakes up at 6 a.m. and goes to bed at midnight or you don't. So, yeah, um, but that's really interesting. Even like the sacrifice of like, oh, you know, I can't go out on Friday night and be out really late because I have to get up really early on Saturday to do a performance or like, you know, things like that. Like I never really put the two and two together, but they're so similar. Just like the amount of like discipline, routine, consistency, like dedicating yourself to one thing for like year after year after year after year is, I mean, you know, that just like leaves a lasting impression. Like you, you get it regardless of the level or activity. No, that's awesome. What, what is the transition like going from working at the collegiate level to pro soccer? Anything that surprised you? Yeah. I mean, I think at the college level, which I like really miss a lot is the education piece because like those athletes are becoming like independent eaters for the very first time, you know, like they're fresh, you know, you get to teach them, you know, things they probably never even dreamed about learning or experiencing at the college level when it comes to nutrition. Um, I miss that piece. I mean, at the professional level, there's not a ton of like opportunity to do group education or like you know, fun fuel station event sort of things like you would do at the college level. At the college level, you're really like, what kind of programming can I do to benefit everyone? 
or like most, because there's so many athletes. Right. But at the pro level, it's like, I have 28 athletes. Like I, every day I can know exactly so much how feeling. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, I'm sure it's harder in other ways, but yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. It definitely has pluses and minuses. Like I would say college level is more like education based. How can the things I do be intentional to benefit many? And then I think at the pro level, it's more like, okay, what can I do that individ- that benefits the individual? Because you only have like 28 individuals to work with, or at least I, on my team, I only have 28 individuals. So like, you know, you can do a lot more things that are individualized and more like outcome driven, which is like amazing. Um, but there's not as much opportunity to do the education things because it is their job right so like they come into work in the morning and then they leave you know so it's not it's not this not the same um but I don't know I mean I think I was also surprised like many of my players like a little less than half of the players on my roster are under the age of 25 yeah (laughs) so yeah like I mean we have a 16 year old player on our team wow Yeah. So like, even though, you know, even though you think, oh, professional athletes are so mature, they're already like educated on their nutrition practices and what they need to do and they're good to go. There's still a lot of work to be done. Does he have his license yet? Like what's going on? (laughs) He just got his license. Actually, That's really interesting. I would have never known that, but that's a really good point. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can have really, really young players. I mean, you know, we have some between like 18 and 22 year olds that like they didn't go to college. They forewent their NCAA eligibility, you know, so you can still have that age group on your roster and, you know, their needs aren't any any different than the college level. You just have to be more creative about the education piece because you don't always get to do like a team talk or things like that with them. Um, but you can do more individual stuff. You still get the life skills within. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, no. I don't think a lot of people would know that. Yeah, no. Well, and I think it definitely depends on the sport. I mean, even if you're looking at, you know, some of the things that are the teams that are at, you know, the Olympic USOC, you know, there are quite a few young athletes there as well. And um, you know, it takes just as much, just as much thought and effort to reach that kind of population and that age group. And, you know, I do have athletes that are over the age of 30. Um, but many of them are still very young and still need that education piece. So I wouldn't, I think people think professional sports is like all like numbers driven sports science. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's okay. I think that's like a common mis, common misnomer. I mean, I do a lot of that. And that is a very large part of my job that I love. Um, And it is definitely an ex somewhat of an expectation at that level because you only have so many athletes, but it doesn't mean that we should neglect the the education piece. Like it, it shouldn't be all about the outcome based measures and things like that. Um, You know, there's still big, a big opportunity. No, that's really interesting and insightful for sure. Any advice for anyone that wants to become a sports dietitian working with professional soccer players? Um, yes, I like, I thought so much about this because there's two, 
two big things. And I think maybe it's just like anyone who wants to be a sports dietitian in general. Um, but fun, yeah, <laughs> but it works at the professional level too. Um, is really like finding an environment that plays to your strengths. Um, because our job is like so diverse, like being a dietitian in various like sports settings, there's so many different aspects. Like if you love education, if you love counseling, if you love food service, if you love like the science and like sports science outcome, you know, measure aspect of the job, there are so many different facets of our job. And I think people think like, oh, if I work here, it will be my dream job. Or if I get to this level, it will be my dream job. And instead of thinking it, thinking of it like that, think about all of those aspects of the job and which one you absolutely enjoy most. Like if you absolutely love counseling, individual counseling, like looking at an outpatient, you know, sports medicine practice might be better. Or if you absolutely love the education piece, like college is a great atmosphere to do that. Like I, I think sometimes, you know, individuals that want to work in this setting think like, oh, if I attain this job, it will be my dream job. Instead of thinking like, well, let me look at like what the job entails and what that looks like. And like, which part of that do I love the most? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the layers, like instead yeah. of looking at the job, it's like, what's actually inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you like food service, if you love food service, or if you don't love food service, like knowing that like various sports dietitian jobs are going to have some component of that. So it's like, to what extent do you want to be immersed in that? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it's been like looking, looking out more for like what aspect of the job I love instead of a specific job that I want. No, I like that. I've never really heard that perspective before, but I think that's so true. Yeah. And I think it's like totally reasonable to like start small, you know, like even if you're doing just a, you know, especially during these really weird times, if you're doing like working with a local soccer club to give a team talk, like, you know, to do a 30 minute team talk to their teams, like, or even like now so many teams are doing virtual stuff. So it makes it even easier to do like online nutrition education with teams like that's even a great place to start yeah. it kind of goes back to on the last episode I talked to um Kelly just about like credentials and you know if you don't like the title of your position or I'm sorry if you like your title but you don't love what you do or you know you always think oh this job like I'll feel respected or you know the <laughs> next step but you could have like the strangest title in the world and love what you do. And like, I just, I think sometimes we get so caught up in like, what's your title or like, what's on your business card? Are you at a power five school or, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter because if you're not happy, then that's horrible to feel that way every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it can be like deceiving too, because, you know, I think, yeah, you know, people think, oh, I have to look at a director position or assistant director position. And that's like the type of job that you look for on the job board. But there might be something like at Cincinnati, my, the full-time job, like actual position I applied for was a visiting instructor. Like that was the official title. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Official title that I like applied for. I mean, after, you know, we worked to make sure that 
I had like some sort of nutrition attached to that. So people knew what I did. <laughs> but before that, like the job application was like visiting instructor. Yeah. And to think like from those cooking classes and the work you put in your title, like to think you don't realize like the work you put in, but the work you enjoy, like things yes. just come as you deliver basically. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, what's been the most unexpected yet rewarding part of your career up until this point? Um, I have really found the joy in like the day in and day out routine. I think like I always said like, oh, I'll, I'll never get a like regular nine to five job that's just straightforward, you know, same thing every day. I don't like routine. I like things to be different. It keeps things exciting. But I have like really enjoyed at the professional level how much consistency and discipline and routine goes into what we consider as success. You know, so it's like every day the guys have a general routine that they do, whether it's like check-in, weigh-ins, like, I mean, just things that we do from the time they enter to the time they leave that's like on the nutrition front that is just the same day in and day out. But I thought I would hate that. And I actually love it because I just think it, it really, it makes you feel when you do have success, you feel like, oh my gosh, like just that general sense of like, I belong to something greater. We've been like disciplined yeah. and working together and now we're successful. Like I, I think I, I thought I would not like some sort of a repetitive job, but I'm really liking the, here's the routine. The guys know that every day or every Monday we do this or every, you know, they just, they know what the day looks like from a nutrition standpoint. And, um, then they're consistent, you know, if they know what to expect every day, then they're consistent. And, you know, you can't, I mean, if you're consistent, you can most certainly be successful, you know, on the nutrition side. So it's almost like a formula, like your every day is a formula for success. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, level, for sure. I don't know. I think, you know, it, it took a while to like integrate that and get guys to be used to what every day looked like, but now it's like, they know, okay, here we do this every single day. And every like day before the match, Angela gives us our like report that says this and, you know, like, and I remember one, I had one time cause we had two games like back to back. I think we only had like two or three days in between a game down in Florida, which was absolutely crazy. So our training, we didn't, we had like one day off and then maybe one day of training. So I didn't do my like weekly nutrition report that I like send to the guys because we didn't really have we had a day to collect data, you know, it wasn't like anything too exciting. Well, like the day of the game, one of our like starting players was like, I never got my report. I, never <laughs> I mean, he was like, where's my That's report? So I don't know. Well, <laughs> you do value this. You do value this. Yeah. But even because so I give like hydration recommendations and things and like, he was like freaking out. He's like, I, you didn't give me my report and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm like, it's okay. Like we only have one day you're doing okay. Like, but I just, yeah, I mean, that routine and the fact that the players really appreciate it too. I was like, okay, okay. That's cool. But no, I never miss one. <laughs> Best piece of advice you've received in your career up until this point? Um, build bridges, not walls. Ooh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, be intentional. So I think like, I think it's so easy to get caught up in the comparison game, not just like with our careers, but just 
personally as well, like looking at social media and even like making connections with other people in our field, you think like, well, maybe I should be doing this or I should be doing this in my setting or is, you know, but if you are intentional and you think about what's going to work in your setting, like, is it feasible in your setting? You know, maybe a school's providing like X, Y, and Z supplement regimen, but you're over here thinking, do I need to be doing that? Should I be doing that? Can I do that? What's the feasibility? Are my guys going to be compliant? So my like biggest key, I think, to success has been just being intentional with the things that you do to the point that you can be consistent. Don't feel like you have to do 25 things that maybe only your guys do 25% of, (laughs) you know? No, I've always kind of thought I'd rather do five things really well than, and I think a lot of, I mean, I don't really know, but I would think (laughs) sports dietitians or anyone would really struggle with that because it's like your to-do list can kind of keep going, but I don't know where I learned that, but I'm just like, this is what I'm doing. And today is what I'm doing this and I'll get it done. But yeah, I, I, it's not helpful to be stressed out. And then if you're putting in so much work, like you said, you want it to be beneficial for everybody. That's yeah. Important. Yeah. Cause I think like, if you're like, Oh wow, I really want to set up this structure and do X, Y, and Z. But you know, if it only gets done two days of the week or only gets done a half of the time, you're like, well, how beneficial was it really to me or to the player, you know? Right. Um, if it's half so, your time, then the buy-in is lost. If it's not yeah. consistent, if it's not repetitive. Yeah. yeah. And standing your ground. I think the like build bridges, not walls, but both like professionally and with athletes, like if you can find one small little nugget of things, of a thing to connect with an athlete on, it will make your life just, I mean, it's just so rewarding. Like even if you have the farthest, farthest athlete to reach, that is just, you know, the hardest shell to crack. (laughs) If you can just find a little nugget of gold, even like with staff as well, like we have the ability to all work together, like our medical staff, our strength conditioning and performance staff and coaching staff. We work together so closely because we can, we only have so many athletes to work with, but you know, the more that you can connect and ask them how you can learn about their profession, it leaves things open for them to feel similarly. And I think that's, that just creates a a great and conducive environment for success, you know, that they feel like you're invested in their profession and their life and um, vice versa. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Because I think the athletes see it too, because you can't be successful in your role unless everybody's wants the same goal or, you know, yeah. So that's definitely really important. And it can be so hard too, if you feel like you have, you know, and somebody who is not, not there for the same collective goal, I think it can make it even harder to connect with them. And, but even as uncomfortable as it may be, like continuing to reach out to connect with them. I mean, um, you know, their wall will come down. Their and wall will come patient down. too, like being patient. Yes. I think it's so much easier said than done because I think, I mean, I've been there. Yes. Like time, like trust, it takes so much time, but it's so worth it. And I feel like sometimes you feel like you're like in the trenches or like you're just frustrated, but it's like time passes and then like it will always get better. I feel like it doesn't yeah. get worse. And do you ever <laughs> feel like, do you ever feel like too, like, Sometimes I'm like, okay, 
I sometimes expect all my athletes to be similar personality to me where it's like they're type, you know, type A, want to get things done. Like, you know, and what I had a realization like, oh, not all of my athletes are going to be the same as me in terms of like personality and some need space and some want to ask you every question in the book or, you know, like being able to know that you're going to have a slew of different personalities in your group or just staff, players, et cetera. Um, then you kind of learn how to interact with each different type of athlete, you know? We actually did something within our staff this year, almost similar to a personality test. And that's funny. That's actually the, one of the biggest things that I learned this year. I don't know why I ever expected that people think the same way I do. I don't know. Like, wh what was I thinking? No. Uh, and that's really opened up space in my mind to just, it's not like have more sympathy, but just understand the way I see something is someone sees it differently. So how can you understand their thinking and then build that bridge, like you were saying? But that was a huge thing I actually learned this year, which has been really helpful in understanding why people do things like why yeah. they do certain things or why I do certain things yeah, or like you know you're the I'm the person that's like I want to ask every single question because I want to know everything and then you know you, you're you'll have other athletes that like they don't really want to know all the backstory they just want to know here's what I need to do in the like most simple way like just you know here's what I need to be doing um and don't ask any questions you know yeah. <laughs> you're just you know, you have to take, take it from both sides and, you know, remember like, Hey, like they're not me. And just because they're not asking questions doesn't mean they're not invested. Yes, I agree. That's a good one. All right. Are you ready for the rapid fire round? Yes. Okay. Yeah. If you had to choose beach or mountains on vacation. Mountains. Oh, what mountain? Uh, maybe out West. My boyfriend's from Denver. So. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> All right, nacho cheese Doritos or Cool Ranch? Oh, nacho cheese, a hundred percent. If I could eat nachos every day, I would. <laughs> Froyo or regular ice cream? Mmm, regular ice cream. What flavor? Mint chocolate chip. <laughs> Good one. Favorite TV show? Oh, I'm watching um, Shit's Creek right now. <laughs> I've tried heard. to get into it. I should probably try again. Oh, it's hilarious. It okay. takes a little bit. Takes a little bit of time. That's so but cool. it's pretty good. All right. Last question. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. If you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? Oh. Um, I think if you find your people, you will find your home. <laughs> like if you find the people that you vibe with, you jive with people that you can fail miserably around, you can have great success around, you can laugh with and laugh at <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and get mad at and get frustrated at and then totally forget about it. But ultimately, if you find those people, if you find your tribe, you will find your home and your job. And I think I never thought, I feel like I'm in that now. <laughs> so that's good, it's a good thing. Um, but I never, back when I was beginning my career, I thought, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to find my people? Because coming from a setting, like even a team setting, and I'm sure all of us that have been a part of something greater, like a team or a group or a collective unit, you can remember a time in your life where you're like, man, that team was the best team I've ever been on. 
or that group was the best group I've ever been around or, you know, and, and it changes every year. Like the group of athletes I have right this year will never be the same group of athletes or staff probably I will ever have again. Um, so I think my younger, younger self to tell her, just keep trying to find your people, keep trying to find your people because then you will find your home. And here wow. we are in Minnesota now. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I love that. I think fit is so important. And I think sometimes it's like kind of thrown around, but find your people. I mean, yeah, I agree. Well, yeah. Angela, thanks so much for being on today. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on and I'm excited to kind of share my little story with everybody. And hopefully there's some nuggets of gold for all of those aspiring RDs out there that um, are finding their way. Love it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports Artie to be or sports dietitian about it. Rate or review the podcast if you found it helpful. And remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports Artie Snippets to see what sports dietitian guest is featured each week. I'm super excited for my upcoming guests, so stay tuned.